Jordan and Bruce Lee and Jack, all them back there. Uh, hey, let me just bring this up. Uh, so if you don't see somebody here that you normally see, um, man, pray for them. And if you feel like reaching out, reach out to them. Uh, this is not the type of church where you can hide, obviously. So if you're looking for a church where you can hide, that's some other church. And uh, here we are family. We love each other. We take care of each other. But COVID's kind of made things a little weird. Um, prior to COVID, man, I, I always just, whether you want to be hugged or not, dude, I gave you a hug. You know, that's just who I am. And I'm kind of feeling weird these days. Like when I see somebody, I'm like, well, do I hug them or do I not? I kind of wait for, you know, like I was taught in seminary, for a lady to ship, you know, show you what they want. They shake your hand, whatever. Dude, I didn't care before. I just hugged you, man. That's who we are. But, uh, and, and if you don't want to hug, you know, obviously you know how to avoid. Like this morning, Cora gave me a big hug. I went to go shake her hand. She gave me a hug. I'm like, yeah, dude, we're hugging, you know? And so we, we've kind of started to blend in a little bit, trying not to offend people, don't really know. And we do have to respect each other's wishes and so on. But I'm just going to tell you, dude, I love hugging you, even if I just met you. And, uh, and if you want a hug, just do this, all right? That's, a, that's the deal Nate and I have. Where's Nate at? Nate, Nate like, like, watch, man. This is how we do it. Nate knows, and we just hug, man. Yeah, so, yeah, that's it. We go sideways. Now, I know sometimes with ladies, they like to go this way or whatever. It all depends. There's different hugs. You just initiate the hug. But by the same token, often we kind of just don't even know how to address each other. We're kind of like, we sort of blend in. How many of y'all feel awkward on whether you're supposed to even talk to somebody and, and actually how close you're supposed to be with them when you talk? And so I mean, how many of y'all have, have some awkward issues right now? Yeah, it's different. I mean, I remember when I was in Africa, it was, uh, uh, this was back in 1991. It was really awkward to have somebody actually almost nose to nose talking, but that was the culture. And so again, our culture's changing, but that doesn't mean we necessarily have to. So initiate that. And especially what I'm trying to say is like, for example, the, the turtles are here, right, usually right here. And uh, they're not today. They're, uh, Tara was actually going to be in the nursery, but again, they're not feeling well. So out of an abundance of caution and respect to you, they're staying home. And, and as a pastor, I get phone calls from people all the time. Hey, or text, we're not going to be here. We're kind of, this is the deal. And, and I know some people really just stayed home because it was cold. How many of you almost stayed home because it was cold? <laughs> My hand's up. No, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't do cold real well. But anyway, so again, uh, just don't feel like you're imposing. If you don't know somebody and like, hey, where's that lady that they're, maybe that means you should know them the next time they come. Or if you see who they're sitting with, go talk to that person and you find out. But that's how we love each other and help each other see life from God's perspective. And we do live in a world right now that is trying to isolate us. They're trying to accept and isolate us because they know that there's strength in numbers and they know how many of y'all like to be loved <laughs> in, in, even in your own way yeah so so again love each other that's what separates us as believers and the more we get to know somebody the more we know how to love them and of course being full of the spirit it, there is love so i want to say that right off the bat because i, I don't want to like go on hey, y'all pray for so-and-so. They called me and they got COVID and they're like 120 degree temperature. I, I, again, I'm not joking about this, but I don't want, you know, I, I just can't, you know, if you don't see somebody here, hey, honestly, with the test, I'm just going to say this, with the test, you don't know what you got. I'm just saying, you could have anything, but whatever. But the bottom line is people have abundance caution. A lot of people, you have a sniffle now. Dude, man, how, how many of y'all shared a drink with a sniffle back before two, two, a couple of years? Yeah, dude, I'm just saying. 
you know, we got to respect things, but don't let people fall in the cracks, man. You don't see someone, man, pursue them. That's part of being part of this family. And that's, that's part of being it, part of any family. So, man, don't just be like, I wonder where they're at. Want, because they're at home going, God, I wonder where my church family's at, you know, and all of that. So, and, uh, and so I hear a lot of that. And man, don't, don't let the world isolate you in that. Which brings me to why I'm wearing camo today. And look, I'm already tripping over cords because I'm not used to walking with shoes except in the woods there. And uh, anyway, yeah, thank you. Can you fix that for me? Yeah, because you know I'm going down next time <laughs> on that. But so this morning, as I am uh, every, every Sunday morning, I, I get up early and I get the privilege of serving Emily and making her coffee on Sunday mornings. I make myself coffee too. So, but uh, but I get up whether I feel like it or not, and I get up to make coffee for her. That's my act of love that I can serve her with right now while she's at our house. All right, and you probably didn't want me telling people you're like stainless, right? You know, you're like, don't rub it in. But God has her at our house right now. And I praise God and I get to make her coffee. So as I'm making coffee, I'm there kind of arrow pressing my coffee out. And my wife reads, she's, oh, listen to Karen's post. Cause she was sitting down waiting for the coffee. Bag. And post, I don't know, did anybody see Karen's post this morning? It said, it might be really to stay in bed, you know, be warm and stay in bed. However, you will miss these brownies, right? And the brownies, I think they're still over there. And what was the next part? Get to see what you're going to wear. Yeah, we could take bets on what Pastor Eddie's actually going to wear and maybe raise enough money to fix the final plane for MFI with that money <laughs> if we took bets, right? That was her post this morning along those lines. And so, so in that, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, well, what are you going to wear? dude, I wear the same thing all the time, just different colors, or what I think I do, you know? And it's like, what am I, I going to wear, God? And we're having the Lord's Supper, and I'm sitting there thinking, Lord's Supper, and it's like, all right, well, I don't really, nothing's ringing a bell there. And he said, he said, I want you to wear a camo today. And I'm like, camo? I mean, I wear camo in the woods, and by the way, these are some brand spanking new mossy oak uh, 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 up, uh, country breakup. I found these in my closet, so I didn't have to wear my ones that are all stained and used and I actually wear. All right. So this jacket's fairly new. So fortunately, you don't have stains all over and you see like what we really do in camo clothes. But I'm all, I'm all, but by the way, my favorite camo pattern is this, but it's actually whatever Walmart has on sale at the end of the year and it's on clearance. So anyways, because you only wear camo because now only reason I wear camo, I think I shared this last week was because my wife doesn't try to get stains out of it. If I wear anything else and I get them dirty, it's like, oh, more stains, and she's trying to get them out. Camo, she doesn't care. She throws in the laundry, whatever comes out. Dude, it looks like more camo, so we're good. But anyway, so I did wear some brand new camo for y'all today, but here's the reason. You know, when we wear camo in the woods, like if you're a deer hunter, man, it's not only just sight, it's smell, it's all this different stuff, but in the woods, if you stand still, if you just stand still, and here's a real trick for me, if you're quiet. My son, he's like, Dad, you can't even move quiet. And it's like I move and he goes, you know, and he's like, Dad, shut up, you know. And uh, so, so if you stand still, the animals don't notice you, right? Especially if you blend in. That's the purpose of camo is to blend in. And, and, and stand still and don't make any noise. Stand still and don't make any noise. The Holy Spirit's sharing that with me. I mean, I've already got the message we're preaching on. We're doing the Lord's Supper, and we'll do it like we always do it. But he's bringing this up. He said, 
Man, how many of you as believers are in the woods of this world and you are standing still and you are being quiet and you are just blending in and the whole world's walking right by you and not even noticing you as a Christian. Some of y'all are, what's wrong with that? That's good. I'm not in trouble. I don't have any conflict in my life. I don't Because as soon as I open my mouth, guess what? The animals start running. As soon as I move, they like, oh, what's he going to do? You know, and, and that's what happens in the woods. But that happens in this world. And I started seeing that, uh, now again, I'm sure some country preacher, you probably heard it somewhere else, but he just put the words in my head this morning of camo Christianity. Camo Christianity is where, man, it might not be this kind of woods. You may live in the middle of a concrete jungle. God bless you. Please don't come and make that here. But if you're a developer, but man, you may, you may live in the middle of a concrete jungle and, and, and you know that if you just keep your mouth shut and you don't move, don't do anything, you'll have no trouble. And then when you go home, oh, you can read your daily bread and even the Bible if you really want to. And, and you can even come to church with a bunch of other Christians and make all kinds of noise and praise God for all kinds of things because, whoa, I can finally get it out and then go back to, out in your world tomorrow and be a camo Christian. Kind of just stay still and not make any noise. Don't disrupt anything. I don't want people in that club to know. They know I'm a Christian, but they kind of think I'm cool because I don't really talk about it very much. I don't really, you know, I just kind of show up on my actions, which you should. It should be seen there. But man, God put us, uh, God saved us for heaven, but he left us here for one particular purpose. Wouldn't it be awesome that when he saved us, he took us to heaven? How many of y'all think that'd be a great deal? Be perfect. How many of y'all love to be perfect right now? Yeah, and be in a perfect place. And how many of y'all would like to be with perfect people right now? Because you're not. Those of you who have made it back to your condos <laughs> and you've been to the first condo meeting. How many of y'all know those guys aren't perfect? Neither are you, all right? And so anyways, man, we, but he didn't leave us here. I mean, he didn't take us home. He left us here. And he left us here to make disciples. And he said in the Great Commission, in case you forgot what making disciples is, it's teaching others to observe what I have taught you. So whatever you're learning on a daily basis from God Almighty, the one that keeps the planets from crashing and the atoms from splitting and everything in between, which you're learning on a daily basis from an intimate relationship with him, he is wanting to teach you and so that you can share it with others. That, my friend, does not sound like camo Christianity, does it? But it's easy. Yeah, so with this group, I'll just kind of, I'll just, I'll just move enough so they know I'm alive. This one, I'll just peep enough so they know I'm kind of still here. I don't want to impose. I don't want to, hey, Bob, if, uh, is there anybody here that you don't know? Do you know this dude right here? Bob, you know this dude right here, man? No? No. This, all right, man. What's your name, bro? Gordon. Gordon. All right. So if Gordon, like, you don't want to impose on Gordon. You just met him, right? But if you had a bucket of water and his hair was on fire, would you have any, would you say, Gordon, pardon me while your hair is on fire. Would you mind the water? on? Hey, I got a fire. And answer fire extinguisher. Gordon, I know it's probably going to get on more than your hair, but would you mind if I blasted you with this fire extinguisher? Would you do that? You, you, you wouldn't ask him first, would you? No, dude, you just blast them, because I know you. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? People are dying and going to hell 
We're left here to share the gospel. And again, it's not to beat people over the head with a Bible. It's to love them to death with the true love of Christ. Because people don't know how much you care until they know how much you care. And I stole that from John Maxwell back in the day. But anyways, that's what we're here for. And so that's what the Lord's Supper is. We're not really told. There's two ordinances we're told to celebrate or participate in as a New Testament church in the New Testament. One is baptism and the other is the Lord's Supper. And as we've shared before, if anybody wants to get baptized today, I'm going to probably try to talk you out of it. (laughs) If you really, truly want to, dude, I do have a wetsuit out there, and that might be just as disturbing to see me in a wetsuit as it is to see me in camo, okay? Just saying. But baptism, dude, yeah, next week it should be warm, man. So baptism, when you're standing in the water, that looks, you look, it looks like a cross, right? And, and when I take you under the water, it represents Jesus' death and burial. And I bring you back up again, it represents his resurrection. But when you get baptized, it's you telling the world, I believe in that. That's how I'm living my life. Here I am at the cross. I've come to the cross and I'm dying to being the boss of my life. I'm tired of being the boss. I don't want to be the boss anymore. How many of y'all remember that day when you said, I'm done. I am not going to be the boss. My prayer of salvation was, God, if you can salvage anything out of this life that you have blessed me with and I have made a mess of, it's yours. And I'll never forget, he said, oh, good. I want you to be a preacher. I'm like, what? Who am I going to preach to? People I sold drugs to? God, I can't be like those guys on TV. He said, I don't want you to be. I want you to be like that remora. And I want you to say, stuck to me as a shark. Man, I want, I'm going to give you a special head called faith that allows you to stay stuck to me. He said, first of all, staying stuck to me, you're going to have all the protection you need. Man, when I go on a feeding frenzy, you're going to have all the provisions you need, and my big fins are going to take you places that you never dreamed you would be, including pastoring a church like this. Man. And so... So that's what happened. I gave my life to him, dude. And, and, and I was tired. I was done. And so when we, when we go under, it's I'm dead. I'm done. I'm not in charge anymore. And I know I got flesh that wants to be in charge. And I'm probably going to try to take charge. But as soon as I realize how stupid that is, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender it back to you. But the good news is I don't have to live this supernatural life with a natural ability. Now, because you rose from the dead, I now can rise out of this water. How many of y'all are glad the pastor brought you back up at baptism? Yeah, I try to hold you down until I see bubbles. Or I feel struggling, at least, maybe. But <laughs> only with some people, right, Tom Knowles? <laughs> Just because he's my surfing buddy, man. I know how long he can hold his breath. So anyways, but when you come back up, dude, you come back up. You now can live the believer's life not in your power, but in his power. You can still try to do it in your own power, but that's what you're saying. I'm living it in his power because I believe his resurrection power is real. So I'm died, I've died to my own life and I'm coming back up to live a new life with him in charge, with his power. Amen, y'all? Amen. So every time somebody gets baptized, that's what you should be seeing. That's what we should be reminded of, that that's what happened with us and that's how we should be living. So people should be getting baptized enough where we're always constantly reminded because how many of y'all know the world doesn't want us to be reminded of that? They want us to think, oh man, you're going to have to make it through this life another day. How many of y'all remember Fred Sanford? Anybody remember Fred Sanford? How many of y'all have now, as you watched it as a kid, now how many of y'all walk like Fred Sanford? You know what I'm saying? Oh, Elizabeth, I'm coming. You know, you remember that? (laughs) And 
But if you haven't, go watch the reruns. Right? So you're too young, right? You don't even have a clue who Fred Sanford is. Oh, you got it. All right, all right. I just thought, man, dude, I'm that old? Yes. <laughs> but that's how the world wants us to limp through the world. Oh, man, if you, you let me be your crutch, I'll help you get through a little more. You know what I'm saying as a believer? No, thank you. I got Christ. He's all I need, all the power I need. And when I can't move anymore, he's taking me home. Amen. That's not a sad day. That's a happy day. That I'm changing addresses and I'm going to be perfect living in a perfect place. And we celebrate that. So we celebrate all that with baptism, but he also commanded that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Look at Nell, man. I can tell she's watching. You're waiting for me to trip. Is it so you can laugh or you're praying for me now? Please, God, let those lay down. Okay, you have the gift of mercy then. Then you must be there to Gary because Gary's like waiting to laugh <laughs> when I trip. <laughs> he's over there going, yeah, he's going to do it because I can't feel with my toes, dude. That's how I fish, man. Like I feel stuff, you know, these boots, I can't feel anything. But anyhow, so the Lord's Supper on the night when he was betrayed, we'll see this from Paul, from Paul's version in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. If you want to kind of get there already, you type A people and kind of know where we're going. Um, Man, in there, that's where, that's where Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a common meal, took common bread, common wine, is a, maybe a little bit uncommon as Passover, but bottom line, he took some common elements and he, he, gave, he gave them spiritual implications. He took a Passover thing that was, man, for hundreds of years, that was awesome, that God said, boom, this is how you do it, and he changed it. What, that would be audacious for anyone to change what God had ordained for that many years if he was not God himself. He had the ability to change and say, what I'm fixing to do tomorrow, y'all. He did say fixing. That's just not translated into Greek. He said, what I'm fixing to do tomorrow, because he's from southern Jerusalem, all right? He, <laughs> but he said, what I'm fixing to do, he said, man, I'm changing it all. Brand new covenant, brand new everything. And, and I'm God, so I can do this. And this is what was proclaimed. All this was a picture. All this in the Old Testament was a shadow. And now you got the building. You got the real deal. Why would you live in the blueprint, the writer of Hebrews says, when now you can live in the building? This was all a picture, and now this is reality. And he said, so here on this night, he said, when you take this bread, every time you take bread, I want y'all be thinking about, if y'all go to Olive Garden, which if you're real Italian, you're going, no, <laughs> but if, if, if you go to Olive Garden, man, and you're ripping that bread, those breadsticks, man, you know, whatever, whenever you're eating bread. He said, I want you to be thinking about the fact that I surrendered, I sacrificed, I came from heaven and I put on the rags of humanity to be able to be a perfect human so that I could be your substitute and so that you could become perfect like me in God's eyes. And he said, whenever you experience bread, I want you to think about my body. You know, you should never eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich the same way, even if it is one of them crustable things or whatever. I'm just saying the bread represents his body. It should remind us of what he did in his body for us. And then he said, oh, here's the cup of wine. And in there, he said, when you drink this, I want you to start thinking about the new covenant, the new covenant, the old covenant with Israel is here's your contract. In fact, uh, in our Monday night Bible study, even, even Wednesday night, we're getting ready to hit it again. But in there, hey, here's the covenant. Here's the tablets. They're in the ark. And, and when you look at those things in there, you remember the contract you have. You live the way I want you to live. I'm going to bless your socks off. If you don't, I'm going to curse you and treat you just like those other people. 
And, and that's the contract. It was based on their performance. And nobody made it. That's why the people who were saved looked forward and said, I can't wait. Man, we need a Savior. There's no way I can make it. I need a Savior. They were looking forward to a Savior. And then when he came, he said, now, what I have done as a perfect human being and as God, I have now satisfied that perfection God was looking for. He said, this is a new covenant. So Steve, if Chrissy has a bad day, Chrissy has a bad day and sins. Does she ever have a bad day and sin, man? Yeah, you're, you've been married long enough to admit that? Y'all are secure enough? Oh, no, that's just your relationship. There's some guys who wouldn't have the guts to shake their heads. They go, oh, no, it's me. But yeah, oh, he'll get it later, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she's saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this. She's saved. She's saved. But if she has a bad day, I mean, and you've maybe seen a bad day coming home from work, or you've seen really probably more likely you've seen one from Steve, right? You know, and, and I mean, just, oh, did he lose his salvation based on his performance? No, it's based on Christ's performance. You are now his kid. Ashley, does Keone ever have a bad day? Does he ever, does he ever embarrass you in public? Yeah, and when he embarrasses you or when he does things in public that don't represent you and JJ, what do you do? You take pictures, oh, here, take a video. This is cute. Put it on Facebook of him being a jerk. No, what do you do? You discipline him, which is the root word or part of the same root word for disciple. You help him become more like you in correcting him. And that correction could be, now use your words, Keone. How many of y'all did not ever hear that as a child? Use your words, bam! Oh, I'm going to use my words, <laughs> you know. Oh, so my rear end's related to my ears? So my ears aren't here, so you hit me in the rear end, and it loose. Oh, yes, I will. Uh, things change with parenting styles, and it's all good. I am not Keone's parent. Use your words, and that's good. You've trained them that way. It's all awesome, man. But I still say, Keone, your ears seem to be clogged. Do I need to hit you on the rear end? In a gentle, nice way. Oh, that GCF, dude. We're on Facebook. I'm figuratively speaking. But do you need your ears unclogged, son? But you're a child. How many of y'all know God can unclog your ears if you need your ears unclogged? with whatever loving method he needs to do, all right? I will say the book of Proverbs says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. You're a child. How many of y'all got foolishness bound up in your heart? You're like, how did that, where'd that come from? The guy's like, your heart. Quit trusting your heart. Your heart's foolish. It's bound up in your heart. He said, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. The good news, and for those on Facebook and anybody who's trolling or whatever, the rod of correction Please understand me in the context. The rod of correction in the Hebrew, since it's not a super specific language, can be anything from a twig to a battle club. You need God's wisdom to discern which one is which <laughs> and which one you need. Scott, you probably need the battle club in your life when you were a little boy, right? All right. Fortunately, yours, apple don't fall from the tree. So, man, you got this great wife, so it's nothing but twigs, bro, right? Yeah. All right. Especially trapped in an RV for however long y'all think you're going to be there, right? <laughs> no. That, they lived that way. That was it. All right. So anyways, in this, uh, the new covenant, we have a brand new covenant with him, not based on our performance, not based on, on us being good or bad, as we're going to actually see as we go into this, but you have a new covenant. Dude, how many of y'all know you have a guaranteed home in heaven? Nobody can change that. You know that? Amen. You can't even change that. It's done deal by God Almighty.
through what Christ did on the cross. And so he says, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, he said, I want you to think about what I did for you. So we're going to, every time we do Lord's Supper here, we have four ways we look, and this is the purpose. And I saw for the first time today, the purpose is making me not be a camo Christian. It's to expose the areas of my life where I blend in with the world between Lord's Suppers, where now God gives us an opportunity to, sh- to, to ask him, God, how am I blending in with the world and not representing you the way you want me to? And, 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 and we all of a sudden start moving for him again. We start making noise for him. We might even rip off the camo. I don't know, but I'm just saying the Lord's Supper is to help us see areas where we blend in with the world and we don't represent him. When in reality, that's the only reason he left us here. So in this Lord's Supper, let me find my, I got too many pockets now. I got to find all this stuff here. So um, we start off and yeah, you're going to have to get me there, bro. All right. To be loved is to be loved by... Uh, can you get me there while I'm talking? Okay, so here's what we're going to do in the Lord's Supper. We're going to look four directions. So do not look at the man behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But uh, in this, we're going to... Every time we have the Lord's Supper, every time we, we have bread and we have the juice, the wine, the juice, whatever, and I'm not going into all the formalities on that. You want to have it at home and you want to get drunk, I, I, got, I got things for that. But He said, don't do that, all right? But anyways, the idea is that we're supposed to look back. We look back to what he did for us. So everybody say, first first thing, grab your thumbs, worship aerobics right here. You ready? Look back, okay? And you can do this in your own home. You can do it in your small group Bible studies. Scott, how cool would that be? Y'all do it in your small group Bible study. You might have already done it, but you can do it. And so the purpose is you look back to what he did for you. Then we're going to see that he's called us to now look, everybody point forward, to look forward to him coming back. So every time we celebrate it, we're looking back to what he did for us. We're looking forward to him coming again. Anybody looking forward to him coming again? Amen. And he says now, because it's already a done deal that what I've done for you and that I'm coming back for you, he said, I want you to look, this is the hard one, look in. (laughs) We look in. And he says, if you judge yourself, I won't have to, and no one else will have to judge you either. So he says, I want you to look back to what I did. I want you to look forward. I want you to look forward to me coming again, and and I want you to look in. That's the purpose, to see where you blend in as a a camo Christian and where you need to start moving, you need to start speaking. And he says, the whole purpose is so that you can look out because there's a world that's being condemned, and you're not part of it. So everybody help me out one more time, just so you got this, and you can do this at home. All right, you ready? We're going to do all four real super quick. Ready? We're going to look back. You can even say it, too. All right, everybody say it, right? We're going to look. We're going to look. We're going to look. So we can, yeah, we can look out, look around. Amen. And so let's take a look, and let's see. And what we're going to do this time as we go through, we're going to kind of bring up some things that we've learned in the book of Ephesians, uh, since that's where we've been. So he says, first of all, Look back. Hey, Chris, is this attached to my... I really got to take jacket. this... It, yeah, I got to take this jacket nope, off, nope, bro. All right. All right. All right, good, good, good. And if you see pit stains, they're going to spread. Don't worry about it, man. It's hot in there. All right, so he said we're going to look back to what Jesus has done for us. Yeah, yeah that would be awesome. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, starting in verse 23. Check this out. This is the Apostle Paul. Now, here's the context to this whole chapter right here. The context is, is that the Apostle Paul, um, 
was always kind of spanking the Corinthians. Are we good, Chris? Okay. Is it going to fly like that? I can fly? No. <laughs> All right. So, so the Corinthians were always kind of getting in trouble. Here's the Corinthians. The Corinthians were like, Okay, so we live in this big city with all this fancy stuff. We, have, and we live these super sinful lives, really world-filled world lives. Now we gave our life to Christ, and we're Christians, all right? Now he's asked us to live by Christ. So, Paul, are we allowed to do this? Am I allowed to... Okay, Paul, am I allowed to have five glasses of wine or five bottles of wine? <laughs> am I allowed to have a wife and five side chicks or a wife and one side chick? Am I allowed to not even have a side chick? Paul, he was asking all the, for those of you who don't know what a side chick is, that's like an adulterous affair. Okay, so a side chick. All right, anyways, is that an old term now? They don't even use that anymore? All right, but anyways, so here's what they were asking. Are we allowed, you know, the Pharisees, they had it down. You could on the Sabbath take 10 steps, but not nine and a half. And that's what they wanted. That's legalism. What we have is a Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, and we simply have the Word of God, and we ask the Holy Spirit to show us what that means, how to apply it to our lives, and He does it in every situation we face. How many of y'all are those type A people that might like a, what is it called, a dichotomy key, where it's like, okay, if it's this but not this, then I do this. Oh, okay, so we use duct tape. Okay, but if it's this and not this, then we... How many of y'all sometimes wish Christianity was, yeah, but it's not, Marissa. And, and, and I know you're growing and thriving in your dynamic relationship with Christ, where, where you're learning that relationship, and it's awesome to watch that relationship take place. But yeah, there's some of us that would like to have, okay, if it's this way, I do this, if it's this way, and that's not what it is. But the Corinthians kind of were like trying to find boundaries. So in a nutshell, take this down, if you haven't taken it down before, if you were to look at 1 and 2 Corinthians, Paul's like, I'm tired of answering these questions. Am I allowed to eat 10 donuts or two donuts if I have diabetes? I'm like, wait a minute. What do you do? Paul said, all right, here's, here's the four questions. And he narrows it down to this. He says, one, if you do it, is it going to be helpful? The first word would be helpful if you're taking notes. Is it helpful? Is what you're going to do be helpful to others is it going to be helpful to the cause of Christ? Is it going to be helpful to others? And is it going to be helpful to you? Notice where he goes with it? To the glory of God, to others, and then to you. So often we're like, oh, it helps me. Huh? Yep, just no. It starts with God, goes to, uh, brings God glory, goes to others, goes to you, because when you love God, he causes you to love who? Others. And you get the residual effect of that. So when he, does, when he uh, tells him, he said, ask the first question, is it helpful? Is it helpful to, to, to God's name? Is it helpful to others? And is it helpful to you? All right, next thing he says, is it hurtful? If you were to do this, because they're talking about eating meat to idols and all these things, but we can apply the principle. He says, will it hurt God's name? Will it make his name worth less rather than worth more? He said, will it hurt God's name? Will it hurt others or will it hurt you? And if the answer is yes to any of those, you, you probably should check and see whether you're supposed to do it or not. And then he goes on, he says, hey, how about this? He said, is it habit-forming? So we have hurtful or ha helpful, hurtful, and habit-forming. And yes, Paul did alliterate them like a Baptist preacher and make them all begin with H, I promise, but in the Greek. But is it habit-forming? In other words, you know what he said? He said, if this thing has control over you, then that's a time, even if it's only a period of time, that's a time God doesn't have control over you. And when is God supposed to have control over us? Yeah, dude. Uh, and I'm just throwing this out as an example, okay, because this is my past. 
Whenever anybody, and again, I'm not legislating anything for you guys. I will say that the Bible does say you need to be sober. You need to be in your right mind. Okay. And I'm not saying you can't drink. I'm not saying you can. You figure that out with you and God in there. But dude, you know me, I'm an extreme person. And guess what I used to be when I got, when I drank, I, I was drunk <laughs> and, and, and I'm not glorying any of that there, but could you imagine calling me up pastor? I need you to pray for me. Oh, I can't right now. You call me tomorrow. Uh, no, you got to be ready all the time to be used by God. And I'm not just making fun of that. It could be shopping. It could be eating. I'm in the middle of a meal. No, it could be anything that is addicting. If something, it could be money, it could be business, it could be anything. If something has control over you where you have to say, wait a minute, God, wait a minute, God, I can't do anything until I, for you until I'm done with this. Man, he says, that's not right. You need to always be accessible to God. In fact, you should always be being used by God. So he says, man, guys, I'm not going to give you a specific so you can make a little dichotomy key. He said, what I'm going to do is give you principles. Ask yourself, is it helpful? Is it hurtful? Is it habit forming? And he said, they're still asking questions. And you know what he says? Okay, here's the, here's the final primer. Is it honoring to God? That, that one will solve a lot of it. Is this going to bring honor to God? Because he said, don't you know you guys were bought with a price? A price you couldn't afford? Man, there, nobody could pay more for you. You're so valuable. He said, and you're, a, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't degrade that. So the four things, again, see if you guys are listening, all right, or you just had lights on, nobody home. First one is, is it, is it, is it, and is it? Yeah, and that's a little lanyard. That ain't even in this message, all right? And you're like, yeah, but it's like 20 till. But now, Holy Spirit, I think somebody needed that today. Might just be me in trying to make these decisions. So Apostle Paul, this is the struggle he had with the Corinthian church. This is where they're always at. And so you know what they were doing at the Lord's Supper? They're like, oh, dude, we got Lord's Supper. Hey, some of us are rich, some of us are poor, some of us are middle class, middle class. hey, just like us. And, and he said, you know what? Once a month, let's have a fellowship dinner <laughs> and let's just make it on the Lord's Supper day. And so they had what they called as a love feast. Everybody brought, the guys from Plant City brought strawberries. The guys from Zellwood brought corn, you know? Guys from, uh, I don't know, but anyways, somebody brought quiches, somebody brought, well, everybody brought stuff and they came and had a love feast, then they had the Lord's Supper. But after a while, the love feast wasn't so long anymore because you know what they were doing? The rich people had food, the poor people didn't. Rich people would have their little clique and they'd be over here and they might even make fun and throw scraps to the people who weren't very rich. They might even eat in front of them like, oh, look at this, it's good and throw it out. And it wasn't very loving anymore. And there were the poor people complaining. The rich people were like, well, I don't know what they're complaining. I earned this. And, you know, I, they're lucky I give them anything in all of that. So in this, <laughs> it's all good, Savannah. The first time I ever preached was in a nursing home. Ever. And as I'm preaching in a nursing home, I had somebody on the front row go, can you wheel me out of here? And so I just wheeled them out as I was preaching. <laughs> And then I came back and somebody else over here says, hey, can you will me out too? Um, I didn't obviously take it personal. So that's why I'm saying if y'all ever want to wheel out, go for it, man. It ain't going to hurt my feelings. I'm doing what God told me to do in this. So anyways, so in this situation, um, God, where was I even? At? Oh, they had this love feast. All right. And it wasn't very loving. It was very segregated, very kind of Man, and, and, and Paul said, no, you've missed the point. And people were getting drunk at it. 
They were literally getting drunk. That's why later he says, man, if you want to drink, drink at home. Just realize you're not going to be able to be used by God when you are drunk, and you don't know when the next drink's going to make you drunk. Paul did say all of that in there. So he goes on, and here's what he said. Look, here's what the Lord suffers for. He said, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Now, whether he got it from the Lord from the apostles, or he got it directly from a revelation, or got it from, I mean, he got it. He got it from God. So no matter what, in the word that says this came from God as to what the Lord's Supper is for. So as I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord. Doesn't that sound like discipleship, Mac? Hey, teach others what I have taught you. And that's what we're doing here. And this is what you should be doing. Because how many of y'all remember the outline? If, every, if, if y'all just like got put to sleep right now, Bonnie, you remember? What are the four points? What's the first one? To look back, to look. Y'all help Bonnie out. Then to look. So we can look around. Yeah, you can do this anywhere. Do it with your waitress today. I'm just saying, if God tells you to. I'm just saying, you can do this. And it's a great reminder. You could do it before you wake up in the morning. You don't even need the bread and the juice or the wine to do it. He said, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. I already told you this. Gave thanks to God for it. How about that? Ralph, what do you think about that, man? On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and gave what? Thanks. On the night when you were betrayed by your best friends, are, are you thinking about giving thanks? Look at the irony of that. That's who Christ was. So you're like, well, I have a reason not to be thankful. I, I have an excuse not to be thankful because this happened. How many of y'all see those two words go together in your life? Betrayal and thanks. It, what do you think about that, Barb? Isn't that crazy? Betrayal and thanks. Doesn't betrayal, when we're camo Christians, the whole world is okay with us being unthankful when we're betrayed, right? And a bunch of other things. But on the night he was betrayed, he gave what? And when you're grateful, everything is great. Everybody say that again. When you're grateful, everything is? Yeah, and if you don't know why to be grateful for something, who can you ask? The one who said, be grateful for everything, said, God, why should I be grateful that this jerk just cut me off? Why should I be grateful I've been waiting two hours for this food? Why should I be grateful for this situation that's bringing me anxiety? And let God answer why you should be grateful, because when you're grateful, everything is what? Great. How many of y'all agree with that? When you're grateful, everything's great. Yeah. You know? I heard a story one time about somebody going whitewater rafting. That's all they want to do is go whitewater rafting, whitewater rafting, and had the worst term. They get, out, they get out there, and they're being covered by water. They're going under rapids, and they're being... But they, they wanted to go whitewater rafting. They're grateful for it, so everything was... Now, what if right now we were just to take a fire hose and simulate whitewater rafting to you? How many of y'all think that's great? No. It's perspective, folks. And when we see life from God's perspective, it's great. It's great. He gave thanks for it, man. He broke it in pieces and he said, guys, you know what? All these things that are fixing to go on, I'm pretty excited because the very plan that God the Father, me as God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had before we ever even created you guys, that plan is in the kick in action. It's been, but now a big step's happening. Because back when there was no one, they said they made the decision to create us. And God the Father, they said, we, we have a plan we're going to make a bunch of messed up people. I mean, y'all qualify. 
We're going to make a bunch of messed up people. And then at the cross, some of them are going to be redeemed. Whoever God chooses is going to be redeemed. And I'm not getting into Calvinism, Arminianism, all that. But the fact is, I can't explain it, and neither can you. But there are, if you're saved, you were chosen. That's how Paul does it, mostly. And so you were chosen as a messed up person. And now at salvation, you got positionally saved. Perfect. But as you walk through life, you're becoming more and more like him, right? That's sanctification. What happens when you die, Bob? You become perfect. (laughs) Gene, can you believe that? I know he's almost close to perfect, right? But can you believe he's actually going to really? Nate and Emily, how long y'all been married now? Yeah, have you noticed any imperfections in each other that you didn't know before you were married? Oh, Emily's saying, yeah. All right, good. Nate is, Nate's still that young guy that's like, I'm not sure what to say. So I'm not saying nothing. All right. Wise man. But yeah. Can you even believe that you two are going to be perfect one day? And then when you're perfect, Jesus is now going to take you and give you as a gift back to God, the father and say here, and that was their plan. So Christ is excited. He broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this and remember me. Every time you have it, remember what I'm doing for you. Remember that, man, you were messed up. You blew perfection. You deserved hell. And there was nothing you could do to earn heaven. And I picked you out of the box. And I am perfecting you while you're on this planet. And I'm going to perfect you before I give you back to God the Father in glorification. He said, do that in remembrance of me. Think about all of that. It wasn't more like, oh, this is my body. It's fixing to be ripped to shreds for you. And God, I wonder if I should even do it because most of y'all ain't going to believe me. And half the ones that say they are, you're really not. Uh, you know, that's scriptural, y'all know. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, he starts dividing people up. And, and, and most, most of the church, according to Matthew chapter 7, they're getting put in a goat line or whatever. Whoa, whoa, wait, didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I, didn't I sit through two-hour messages with Pastor Eddie? Did I not? Not that we're going there today. This will be a short service, I think. It's based on what the Holy Spirit wants to do, all right? But in this, man, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I? I said, yeah, but you and I never had an intimate relationship. Path is wide. There's a narrow path that can't do anything but love and serve and worship the Lord Almighty when he changes them. So he said, man, this is my body. It's given for you, dude. Man, this is a good, this is a joyous thing. Doesn't it say in Philippians that it pleased God and that they couldn't wait for this to happen? This was part of the plan. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And when you remember, that's looking which way? Back. Look at this next part. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant. It represents the new covenant between God and his people. The new covenant that's going to happen because when Christ died on the cross, from noon, you guys remember, they crucified him. And, they're, and by the way, most people think that the cross was way up there. But we have archaeological evidence that when they crucified him, it was eye level, dude. There was a post, man, eye level. You were on there, and he was nailed, and it was eye level so that when I look at this dude being crucified, and I see the agony and the pain in it, and, and I don't want anything to do it. I am never going to cross Rome and be like that guy there. And so when he was being crucified... He was there, and everybody's spitting on him and cussing at him, making fun of him, right? If you're the Christ, get yourself down. Ha! You're a joke. We even put our faith in you. A week ago, we were saying, oh, hell, king of the Jews, come save us. Man, was I wrong? And then what happened at noon, bro? Hey, what happened at noon, bro? 
What did the sun do? <laughs> all of a sudden, 12 noon, it got dark. What was the first word all the people cursing Jesus said? I'll give you a hint in the Greek. It's, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. And they were quiet watching. And from noon to 3 o'clock, roughly, in some, I don't even know a way I can explain it, quantum physics type way. I got no idea, dude. God's got a name for it way better than ours, but, and we'll understand it in heaven. But some way from noon to three, dude, he took everybody in the world's past, present, and future sins, and he laid them. He, and that word lay in the Hebrew in Isaiah, when it says all the sins of the world were laid on him, it wasn't like, you know, it, I don't want to do it with a chair. It wasn't like, oh, okay, here they are. No, dude, it's, it's the word that's like, bam, bam. That's all the sins of the world were being slammed on Christ. The ultimate clean freak is having all the dirt of the world on him. How many of y'all are clean freak in here? Anybody clean freak? Admit it. You're a clean freak? So if I came, I went out hunting, all right? And I'm covered. I just cleaned some hogs, and I've been stepping in cow poop. And I got a wheelbarrow full of hog guts, man. I used to feed them to the gator. Right? And, and, and I got poop in there. There's everything. I got a whole wheelbarrow, and I come up to your condo. I'm like, Chrissy, can I come in? <laughs> what would you say to me? No. You would say no. Don't even try to pretend like a liar church. You'd be like, you ain't coming in here with that. <laughs> now, what if I did force my way in with that? And I'm tracking it all over your floor. And then I go covered in blood and I sit down on your couch. Woohoo! This feels good. Hey, let me make some blood angels, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh my goodness, would you not have wrath towards me? Would you at some point, you would start doing something like, dude, I'm calling the cops. I'm getting the door. I'm, dude, you can't do this because uh, it's so gross to you, right? That's nothing compared to how gross sin is to God Almighty, who's ultimately pure. And we won't understand that till we get to heaven. He hates sin. Sin is nasty. It's dirty. It's horrible. And from two, 12 noon to three o'clock, all the sin of the world, past, present, including the ones you and I will commit this afternoon. When sweet little Carol Ann is at, at lunch, and lunch isn't coming fast. Uh, uh, Carol Ann, uh, like my girls, I know I got to feed them when they're hungry, not when they're starved. Anybody here go, go hangry? Everybody get hangry? And then, uh, yeah, I see y'all pulling your wives now. All right, I'm just saying, hangry. And we have these things where, oh, no holds barred now. Oh, nope, you push the button, dude. Now you get what comes out <laughs> in that. Even that sin, that sin in itself is the sin that he paid for on the cross. It was dumped on him. It was slammed on him, according to the book of Isaiah. But he was glad to take it because that was the process that started our perfection. So in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup's the new covenant between God and his people. It's an agreement confirmed with my blood. I'm changing what God did because I'm God and I'm doing it a different way that God is fully aware of and fully planned on. An agreement confirmed with my blood. He said, do this in remembrance of me as often you drink it. So in remembrance, which way are you looking in remembrance? Back, yeah. In remembrance, you're looking back. All right, so the first way we look, all right, pay attention up here. First way we look is look. Oh, no, we look back. Yeah, sorry. I, look at that. I tricked you guys, man. <laughs> Which way do we look? <laughs> no, we look back to what he did for us, 
right? Going back to the book of Ephesians, y'all. Back to the book of Ephesians. He said that he has blessed us with what? What has he blessed us with, y'all? All spiritual blessings. Y'all remember the illustration? We had a spigot, which was God, that's hooked up at heaven, pouring everything there is to pour out onto us. The hose is the Holy Spirit. That's the vessel that he uses to pour it all out. But can we hold the hose and the spigot together? No, we need fittings, and as fittings, that's Christ. He connected it all. We're the, we're the nozzle. So again, it's not for us to say, oh, look, I'm covered in Christ. No, we're supposed to be, you know, the ultimate sprinkler. We're blasting the world with Christ, with the love of Christ in a dry, parched land. And so he's blessed us. Anything that we need that heaven can provide. Hey, bros, you guys are missionaries. When you got, you're going back to Haiti here soon? Like Thursday, right? Uh, is there anything you think you won't be able to find at Haiti that you could probably find here? <laughs> I'm being facetious. Yeah, y'all pray for this group right here. Talk to these two afterwards. Not, you know, this is what God's called them to do, and they'd rather be nowhere else in the world. I'm just going, stepping out of limits saying that because I think I know your heart. That, that they're, going, they're, they're going there. Is there anything that you will need to do what God wants you to do that he will not be able to blast right out of heaven to you? As long as you don't do what, Gary? What can't you do with your hose? You can't kink the hose, man. <laughs> That's quenching the Holy Spirit. So again, man, look what he's done for us. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing we will ever need to do what he's asked us to do. And in that, he started, you remember in Ephesians? He started by saying, look, man, I picked you. And when did he pick us? Anybody remember? Marissa, when did he pick us? Before you could even, he could, he, before the world began, before you could even prove yourself or disprove yourself. So if you couldn't earn it, Hey, Taylor Twins, if you couldn't earn it, can you lose it? No, because it's not up to you. He picked you. Boom. Why did he pick you guys? I don't know. Why did he pick you? He loved you. Yes, that's why. That's the only reason. But it says he picked us from the beginning of time. And then it goes on to say Christ, the second person in the Trinity, purchased us. He purchased us. He got it, bought us out of slavery, and he paid for our sins. He took our sins away. And then he goes on in chapter 1 and says, not only did God the Father pick you and Christ purchase you, but he said, the Holy Spirit did what? He preserves you. He's a down payment. Man, as much as you walk in the Spirit and crucify the flesh, dude, that's how much heaven you can experience right now. It's a down payment. And bottom line, he put a down payment. Nobody else is coming in and putting a down payment over that. That's the earnest payment he talks about in Ephesians 1. So look at what he's already done for us. Man, we looked at last week, he's brought us unity because no longer are we black, white, Greek, Jew, Polak, whatever you want to call. We no divisions. We have rich, poor, whatever. We have one title as believers, and that is what? Christian. We are all under Christ. Man, aren't you glad when you go to Haiti that the Christians are Christians? It's not Haitian Christians, American Christians. That's what we try to destroy because that's what the world brings in to divide us. So all of these things, man, he has brought unity. He has brought us eternal security. How many of y'all are pretty stoked that you got a home in heaven? I've already asked you that, right? That's done deal. That's all that he's done for us. So do you have anything to look back and be grateful for when it's time to look back? Yeah. So this is the new covenant that he made with us, and we look back. Next, super quick, we look forward to his return. And it tells us in Ephesians even also there, that right now it doesn't really look like it, but there is a plan God has, and everything is going to come into submission into Christ. He is going to be over all. And in fact, 
in Ephesians 1.22, the message, the way they put it, is they said, the world or the church, Christianity, Christ is not peripheral to the world. The world's peripheral to Christ. And you remember we took a giant Frisbee? There was a Frisbee, and we had a little barrel of monkeys hanging off. And oftentimes, we feel like Christianity is one little monkey hanging off the world. And we've got Buddhism, we've got Hinduism, we've got all these different things hanging off. When in reality, that's not it. That's the way the world wants to see it. But what God says is that Christianity, Christ, is everything. And everything that's not in Christ is hanging off of Christ in one day, it will all fall off if it doesn't come in. And the reason we are left here is to bring as many of those monkeys, and I say that in a loving way. How many of y'all were a monkey hanging on to this world until he brought you into Christ? And so he brought us in, and everything that is not brought in falls off and is eternally separated forever or destroyed if it's not a person. So man, we can look forward to the fact that even though it doesn't look good for us right now, and it's going to look even worse at some point. We know he's got a plan. We know that in a little bit of time, it's all going down. I don't know when that is. If it doesn't go down in my lifetime, what happens when I die? I go to heaven and start experiencing anyways, right? It's a no-lose situation. So look what he says. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he what? Until he comes again. How many of y'all believe Jesus is coming back? Do you know that in the modern day church, there's many, many people that do not believe Jesus is coming back? There's even names for that kind of theology. He's coming back. He's coming back for you. Have you ever had somebody drop you off somewhere? You know, they drop you off somewhere and they say, I'm going to come pick you up in a little while, right? You know, when you didn't have a car and you couldn't drive, right? You know, your mom and dad will drop you off. Have you ever like sat there and been like, all right, they're late. I'm waiting on them again. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You know, and you start freaking out because there's things happening around you. Don't freak out. Daddy's coming back. And daddy has a surveillance system on you. <laughs> it's worse than iPhones. He has a surveillance system on you and he knows exactly what's going on. And when he needs to, he's coming back. Meanwhile, instead of you being scared and hiding and trying to be a camo Christian, what should you be doing? You should be moving and talking and letting the world know who's coming back for you. Amen? That's why we look forward to him coming back. So he says, we look back, we look forward. Look at this. We look in to judge ourselves because we're supposed to be representing Christ, right? So he says, so anyone who eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. In other words, he tells us when we do communion, I want you to look back. I want you to look forward and be so stoked about all that, that you know you got a good deal and you start looking in as to how you're not representing him. You come to him and say, daddy, where have I sinned? Daddy, how could I represent you better? He said, you have to do this if you're a believer. Come to me and ask me to correct you in this. And he said, if you do this, it'll be a whole lot easier than if I have to correct you otherwise. He said, but if you just come and you eat the bread and drink the cup and just don't even think much of it and you don't do what's supposed to do in all this, he said, dude, that's unworthily. You're, you're, you're making his name worth less. You're making the sacrifice he performed worth less. You're guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. He said, that's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread. And we will do that. In a moment, we're going to have it, and you guys are going to come up, and all the bread is individual, little oyster crackers. And uh, if y'all do it at, at your church different, I'm sorry, but this is, you know, we're the beach. And, and plus, that's all I can find at Walmart. But I'm just saying, now, we 
those oyster crackers, they fit in a little cup. And that way you have your own little cup. You don't have to dig in. And, and how many of y'all would like not dig in after someone else in this congregation dug in? I'm just saying like, dang, I don't even want to go. <laughs> no. So you come and grab your little cup with your oyster cracker. And, um, and then you can grab the cup of juice. And while you go back, that's the time you can be thinking, saying, God, all right, what is it? Why do we have Lord's Supper? What is it that is causing me not to represent you the way I should? What, and he might even encourage you and say, man, you're killing it here. You're doing awesome here. Hey, right here, this is the one thing I want you to everything on you at one time. How many of y'all would love to have all your imperfections dumped on you at once? Bill, would you like that? <laughs> Does Barb ever do that? Just dump them all on you? No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> she's not here. You can talk big now, bro. <laughs> but you got to pick her up from the airport, and she's probably watching on here. So, but, but literally, have you ever, man, he doesn't dump everything on you. What he dumps on you is the th very thing that he's going to give you the grace to fix. Amen? This is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. It's kind of like this. Have you ever walked around and either had your zipper down or you had your green in your teeth or you had toilet paper dragging out of your, you know, anybody ever had something embarrassing happen and you finally realize it and you're like, why did no one tell me? How many of y'all have experienced that? I'm not going to ask you to go public with it unless you want to, but literally that's what he's doing. He's like, come here and let me take a look at you. You ever take a look at Keone when he dresses himself? <laughs> yeah, dude. He dresses up. You take a look at him like, okay, you can represent me now. Oh, hey, wait a minute. How about your teenage daughter? You ever take a look at your teenage daughter before she goes out? Yes. I'm just saying that there's times, and this is what he's doing. He wants to take a look at us before we go back out. And he said, yeah, that doesn't really represent me. This does. And it's more of our actions and our spirit and our attitude and our heart. It's internal, not external. Don't miss that. Because if it's internal, it'll show up external in the way it needs to and not the way we legalistically make it. That's why you should examine yourself for eating the bread and drinking the cup. How many of y'all looked in the mirror this morning? Anybody look in the mirror? Anybody raise your hand if you looked in the mirror long? Probably not, did you? Yeah, you mean your hair didn't look like that when you woke up this morning? Yeah, dude, and so you fixed your hair. You saw what was there and you fixed it. We fix stuff when we, and this is what we're doing with him. All right, here's my spiritual mirror. Father, what do I look like and how can I represent you better? He's told us that's why we do this. He said, man, he said, if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. What do you say when you get to the playground? Oh my goodness, what'd you wear that for? You know, I got to correct you here. Your pants are on backwards. Oh no, that was Alana yesterday. Sorry, but and it doesn't matter her age. <laughs> It does with a boy and there's a zipper, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> All right, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. He said, that's why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. I mean, God brought you in this world. He can take you out. You don't take the correction. Is God not a loving father that will correct you and correct you and correct you? And if you cease and you will not succumb to his correction, he can take you home. And you miss all the blessings and opportunities that he had for you for the rest of your life. Now you're cool in heaven, but you miss everything he wanted to do while you were here. He said, that's why some of you even died from not taking this serious. But if we'd examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. So we're supposed to look which way? Help me out. First, we look what? Back. Then we look forward to his coming. All of that's supposed to make us stoked so we can look 
and realize it's not he's trying to beat us up. He's just trying to make us look better. Isn't that good? And the last reason, the reason we're looking in is so that we can look around. Look around to help others escape eternal judgment. One more verse. Look at this. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being blamed. Hey, what word do you see in the word discipline? Disciple. Do disciples need disciplining? Yes. <laughs> There's no being a disciple without discipline, unless you're perfect and none of you are. I'm looking at you all, and I've seen me. We're not perfect. Yet when we're judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined to become a disciple, to look more like him, so that we will not be what? Condemned along with the world, so the world is being condemned. How many of you have given your life to Christ, and for you there is no more condemnation? Anyone got that? So do we, if we're truly saved that way, do we just like, oh, I'm good. Who cares about the rest of the world? They're all jerks anyways. No, you know what? That's your attitude. You're probably not saved because we're already told that if you love God, he cause, you'll know you love God. Go read all first, second, third John, man. First John especially, right? Love God. You know you love God. How can you know you love God? Because you love your brother. You say you love God, but you hate your brother. You're sadly mistaken. That's how you know you love God if you love your brother and you love others. So you can't possibly be, well, I'm set. Forget the rest of the world. They can go to hell for all I care. Well, that's where they're going. He said, man, we got to look back to what he's done for us and be pretty stoked about that. We got to look forward to being with him in heaven. And that should make us really stoked to be able to look in and say, God, how can I represent you better? Because you're awesome and I'm not. And I want to represent you because there's people out there that need you. And they're not really attracted to some of the things I represent. So, Father, show me where I'm being a camo Christian, where I'm kind of just hiding, just trying not to make anybody notice me, anybody hear me. I'm just, I'm just sitting here. I'm trying to be still and be quiet just so I can make it through and get to heaven. But yet today, God has convicted you of that in some way. And instead of being a camo Christian, God says, time to open your mouth. Well, if I open my mouth, they'll see my hypocrisy. If I open my mouth, they'll you know, they'll, they'll hear words that don't really represent my life. Well, that's what this is about. Making it so that you are equipped to open your mouth and make a move for Christ. That's what we do the Lord's Supper for. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray in a moment. I think the band or JJ's on one of his multitasking jobs is going to noodle on a guitar a little bit. But after I pray, I want to invite you guys and we will do So come this way. And, and we'll work it out. That's as close to order as we have. Just come this way and go by here, grab some bread, grab some juice, and go back to your chair and start thinking. Just start thinking about looking back. Why should I be grateful for what you did for me? And let him answer you. Why should I be grateful for you coming again, looking forward? All right, now that I'm grateful for that, why, how can I better represent? I want to look in. I want to represent you better. And God, will you put some people's faces in my head that need you and start praying for them? I'm praying for people, whether it's you or someone else, to save their soul and ask God to make you soul conscious. Instead of seeing somebody in one of the divisions the world's given us and hating them because of that division, how about you start praying for them, praying that God would save their soul? So as we do it, I want you to take time Help me out one more time so I know you got this. Which are the four directions? We're going to look. We're going to look. 
We're going to look so we can look. All right, let's pray. Father, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. And I'm so grateful that I can even come to you in that name because of what you did on the cross, what we're getting ready to celebrate. And uh, Father, thank you for giving us the desire and ability and the command to come to you to celebrate communion, where it's like looking in a mirror and letting you show us areas of our life that need to represent you better. Because not only is it going to make us better, but it's going to represent you better and bring people into the kingdom. It'll help us in, in, in being used by you to make disciples. And what a privilege it is to be part of your plan, as we even just learned in Ephesians too. Father, um, so I pray that as we take this juice and this um, bread, that it will remind us of the new covenant, remind us of what you did, what you went through so that we could have this relationship with you. And you could be our Lord and Father, I pray that as we are reminded that you're our Lord, that we would submit to being your servant. And I pray, Father, it would cause us to be soul conscious and to be able to do the job that you have called us and equipped us and blessed us and given us the privilege to be a part of. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you would, you can stand and kind of form a little line somewhere, come up this way, wherever, and... Uh, don't be shy and think about those things. Scripture tells us that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in peace and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this and remember to me as often as you drink it. Father, again, we are so grateful to know through faith that we are saved, that we have a home in heaven because of everything you did for us. Father, I pray that when the world tries to distract us and tries to discourage us and tries to depress us, getting to look at things horizontal, that we would do like the great man of God, George Mueller, said, and we would master the heavenly uplook as opposed to the earthly outlook. I pray, Father, we would, um, we would look at what Ephesians has told us, what you have told us through Ephesians and through really the whole Bible that we cut the Bible anywhere it bleeds, that it's all a picture of Christ. And the ultimate plan was to take sinful man willingly as a gift and fix them and make them perfect and then give them back 
to God the Father as a gift. Father, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when we're perfect. And on that quote unquote Christmas day or whatever you want to call it that day, when we're giving back to you, when you open the box and you see us as a gift from Christ, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like to see your face on that day. Maybe that's how you wipe away all tears. I don't know, Father, but it's going to be such a joyful day when we see your face and see how pleased you are that we are yours and we are perfect. Father, so grateful we don't have to do this perfection thing on our own because we can't. And in any way that we're ever striving to pull it off in our own strength, Father, I pray you would correct us. I pray just like in fighting off the enemy, the best way to fight the enemy is to follow Jesus. The best way to become like Jesus is to follow Jesus. Father, we're told that you lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas, but we're also told that we become like the ones we hang out with. So help us, Father, to hang out with you and become like you. Thank you, Father, for communion and showing us the areas of our life where we are camo Christians and help us to be bold, strip off the camo and speak up for you and move for you in a way that would truly represent you. And people would see your love and they would see your righteousness. Help us do something that most of us are only gifted with part of, but help us to be like Jesus and help us to be able to show the truth with love and get better and better at that. And I pray, Father, if there's somebody here that's not positive that they're going to heaven when they die, they're not positive they belong to Christ, I pray, Father, that you would give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you. Father, every time they try to talk themselves into something, I pray that, Father, you would teach them the truth. And, Father, I pray no one would walk out of here being deceived, but they would know that they are your child because you picked them, because Jesus purchased them, and your Holy Spirit is preserving them. And, Father... Um, just thank you for all of this. And I pray for it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Yeah. All right. Hey, super quick. In this, um, I haven't, I had some people ask me what this is all about. Because we used to say it all the time, but um, we haven't said it since Carol left. And now she's finally back again. So, but um, anyways, we use the shock a lot. It's on a lot of our shirts. It's on a lot of our stuff. But uh the story is that when the Howleys, the white people, first started going surfing up on the North Shore um, in Hawaii, they realized they weren't welcome any more than they are now. And they would come up and uh, they would go up there and they would just try to fit in. Well, they saw an old farmer dude that would always be doing this to them. And so when he did this, they were like, all right, let's fit in and let's start doing it. So they started doing it to each other and they thought it was some cool Hawaiian thing. But bottom line is one day they got to meet the farmer and they realized that what had happened is he lost these fingers in a farming accident. And so instead of hiding it and using what we would think is the best one, he started a whole culture of hanging loose. Hanging loose is the opposite of hanging tight. <laughs> and uh, how many of y'all could use hanging loose a little more than hanging tight sometimes? And so we give each other permission to kind of shoot that at us. And what it means is really if anybody can hang loose and dig what's happening right now, it's us as believers because we're his children and he's in control. Amen.
So again, that's how we say amen. We always say, and all God's people said, y'all throw your shock up and say, so hang loose, man. No matter what's going on, he's in control. Amen. I think.